Today we conclude this series on faith. Not only faith, but saving faith. And not only saving faith, but a faith that is intelligent. A faith that makes use of all your abilities. The abilities that God himself gave you. And so we want to use those abilities to grow in our faith, in our understanding of whom God is. And to be able to consciously, uh, intently place our faith and our trust in God. This is the God whom we serve. He'll never ask you to choose anything just because, just because. He wants you to make decisions based on the evidence He's given you that He's trustworthy, that He's faithful, that He loves you and cares for you. We talked uh, two weeks ago about what faith is and what faith is not. We talked last week about when your faith is tested and how should we uh, approach that, how should we deal with that, how should we handle situations where our faith is uh, is tested. And today we're going to talk about those moments when it actually seems that God is absolutely, completely silent. And if you've ever found yourself in a situation where you have thought, uh, it seems as if I pray and God does not respond. It seems as if, as much as I ask, I don't hear anything from God. I don't see any indication of where I should go. I want to tell you that you are not alone. That in the Bible, many Bible characters went through this, including, including Jesus Christ himself. He went through something just like that. But faith, as we have seen, faith is not a, a thought. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is not a, a concept that is very vague. Faith is something that is real. And uh, the first text we studied here two weeks ago was Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 and, uh, through 6, but particularly verses 1 and 3. And in that chapter, there is something interesting that I'd like to call your attention to, that faith is not something static. Well, that chapter, Hebrews 1, says that by faith, Abel offered a sacrifice. And so it was because of his faith that he acted And he did something. So people in the Bible act upon their faith. That same chapter, Hebrews 11, says that by faith Noah built an ark. And so it was his faith. Like I said, faith is not just a feeling. Faith is not just just a, a vague concept. Faith prompted Noah to build an ark. It was because of his faith. It was by faith, the Bible says, that Abraham obeyed God. It was by faith, the Bible says, that Abraham offered up his son Isaac. It was by faith, that same chapter says, Hebrews 11, that the people crossed the Red Sea. Now to cross the Red Sea, even though they were seeing the waters separated, and the waters held, and the dry land here for them to walk, They would have to trust God enough to step out and put their first foot right there on dry ground. And what about if the waters that were receded at that point, what, what if they would come back? It was by faith that they crossed the Red Sea, trusting that God would be faithful. So 
faith is something that prompts you into action. It's not something that you hold on to and it's just a mental thing, but it prompts you to take action based upon that, that faith. But of all the examples, there are two that I'd like to highlight today. And one, the first one, is that of Jesus Christ himself when he, he came to a point where he felt as if God the Father was not even listening to him anymore. So before we open scripture and we, we go into today's topic, I'd like to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads and let's ask God's direction once again. We thank you, Father, once again, because you allowed us to be here in your presence. We thank you that the, the scriptures give us hope and encouragement and plenty of evidence upon which we can rest and place our faith and trust you in return. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here in your presence. We know that the Holy Spirit is right here in our midst. We ask, Lord, that any distraction, any preoccupation, any concern, any pain, any heartache, anything that we might be feeling now, that you may give us comfort and give us peace of mind, that we'll have our minds, our eyes, our ears, our hearts open to receive your word today. May every worshiper here be blessed today. And may your, your word today, Lord, challenge us and prompt us into making decisions that will be of everlasting, eternal consequences. We ask you these blessings, and I ask that you may use me as your instrument, and only as your instrument, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So the text we, we had today that Linda read, uh, you know those words very well. So let's go to Psalm 22, verses 1 and 2. And... Uh, you may have already read this text in Psalm 22, but maybe when Linda was reading, you thought she's reading from the wrong scripture. She's reading from the Gospels. She's reading from the time when Jesus was right there on the cross. And uh, in fact, those are the same words. These are words that David, in prophetic vision, saw Jesus Christ speaking right there on the cross, and he wrote them down here. And so David says in Psalm 22, verse 1, quoting the words of Jesus some centuries down the road, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry. I cry in daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and you and I am not silent. And so Jesus, when he was coming closer and closer to the moment where he was going to finally give up his life for the salvation of you and me and of anyone else who accepts it, he was rightly so uh, anxious. He was rightly so concerned. And the Bible says that he was anxious about it and he was communing with God trying to find some peace but even before he was put up there on the cross back then in the garden of Gethsemane where he took his disciples to and at some point he said to uh, 
eight of, uh, eight of his disciples to stay behind and he was going to go forward with three of them. And those were Peter, James, and John. And they went further into the garden. And at some point, Jesus turns to them and said, you stay here. And the Bible says that Jesus said, you stay here and watch with me. Now, they were not going to watch any episode of anything, but they were going to be in prayer vigil. Watch. Uh, keep your eyes open and, and pray with me. And Jesus goes further into the garden. And there he kneels and there he prays. And he asks the Lord, and his words are recorded right here in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 26, verses 38 and 39. As Jesus is there, Matthew 26, 38 and 39, and he says, My soul is exceedingly uh, sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me, he says to those three disciples. In verse 39, he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And so Jesus was saying, Lord, this is really a heavy burden for me to continue to carry. And if possible, Father, please let this cup pass from me. But if not possible, uh, I'll endure it. I'll continue and I'll go forward. May your will be done. Now, if you remember, this was not the only time where Jesus presented this request. Jesus presented this first request and he went back to see the disciples and to his dismay, the disciples had fallen asleep. And Jesus wakes them up and says, couldn't you pray with me for one hour at least and stay here and watch? And he goes back into further into the garden. And then he prays again. And his second prayer is recorded here in verse 42. Again a second time. Matthew 26, 42. Again a second time he went away and prayed. And said, Oh my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And so once again he says, my request was that this cup be passed from me. But if, if this is not possible, I will drink it. Your will be done. And then he comes back and finds the disciples sleeping again. And he wakes them up and goes back into the garden. And the Bible says in verse 44 that Jesus left them, went away again and prayed the third time saying the same words. In essence, pass this cup away from me, but if not possible, I will drink it. Thy will be done and not mine. Now this was real. This is recorded in the Bible because it reflects and it represents a real struggle Jesus was going through. Jesus was not putting on an act. Jesus was not playing a role in a play. Jesus was actually suffering intensely and he's talking to the father and it seems that at that point at least he could still he could still feel the presence of the father and so he turns to the father and says father please pass this cup away from me but your will be done and this happened not only once but three times and then later on jesus is put up on the cross between two robbers 
and he's there. And when Jesus is up there, Jesus says these words that you and I just read in, in Psalm 22. And they're actually recorded here again in Matthew 25, verses 45, 46. Uh, sorry, Matthew 27, verses 45 and 46. And the Bible says in Matthew 27, 45, 46. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So at that point, it was not that Jesus was asking that cup to be passed of him, but he had the real feeling, the real sense that the God, that the Father had forsaken him. And his cry now is that he's feeling abandoned. I'm insisting on this because I want you to really picture that in your mind, that this is not simply something that Jesus said that would go down in history as if he was, he was being emotional or sensitive. Jesus was really torn by these feelings. He was, he was crying out and saying, Father, I feel completely abandoned. Why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me all alone here? I believe there is one reason why Jesus felt that. I believe there is one reason why Jesus felt as if the Father was far away from him. And we can go back to the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2. And this is a text you probably know. Some of you may even know it by heart. Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2. And the Bible says, Behold... The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you. Now that's the word no one would like to hear a pastor preach. That your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from from you and so you don't need to feel bad that your pastor is preaching that because this is coming from the word it's God that is saying that our iniquities our sins put a, a veil of separation a barrier between us and God and what this the, what Isaiah is saying is that you cannot come to God you cannot come to God and expect that he will answer your prayers according to your request if there is something separating you from God. Because our sins separate us from God. God cannot inhabit where sin is. Sin is totally opposed, totally against God's nature. And so going back to Jesus' situation. Am I saying that it was Jesus' sins that was separating him from God? No, what I'm saying it was my sin. It was your sin that Jesus had upon his shoulders and Jesus had crushing his own soul that was putting this barrier of separation between him and the Father. 
And that was the reason why Jesus was so sorrowful. That's why he was feeling separated. Because the weight of my sin, the weight of your sin, was crushing down his spirit and making him feel as if the Father had abandoned him. I want you to meditate upon that. Because it was not because of the pain of those nails that pierced his hands. It was not because of the nails that pierced his feet. It was not because he was hanging there and his flesh being lacerated by those nails. It was not because of that crown of thorns that uh, was stung right down his head. All of that was painful. But there was no greater pain than him carrying my sins. It was my sin that put him up there on the cross. It was just how Jesus was feeling. Now we know from the testimony of scripture. And this is why God wants us to exercise intelligence and an intelligent faith. We know from the testimony of scripture that God the Father had, hadn't gone anywhere. God the Father had not forsaken the Son. God the Father was still there. But Jesus and other Bible characters and you and I at times in our lives we feel as if God is silent. We feel as if God has forsaken us, though he hasn't in, act, in, in reality. Though God the Father is still there, he's still listening to us. And it was not only Jesus, but many other characters in the Bible went through that. There is one character in particular that maybe we go to his story and we refer to his experience as the apex of suffering. Someone who was righteous, who lived a life that was pleasing before God. Someone who had a commitment, a real commitment with God, but went through so many trials and so many difficulties in life. To the point where he was being accused by his friends of not being faithful. And you know who I'm talking about? I'm talking about Job. And Job went through all of that. All of that ordeal, not only losing his children, losing property, and uh, being sick, and have all those uh, plagues upon his own body. He went through all of that, and he couldn't understand. Why am I suffering this? Is, is there any reason? And his friends were questioning. Maybe you did something that was displeasing to God. But Job went through all of that, and he never ever questioned God's character. He may have questioned why he was going through that. But he said at some point in his book, but I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. You know the story of uh, Paul and Silas when they were thrown into prison. They were bitten, beaten. They, they were dragged down to prison. They were left there. They were incarcerated. They were uh, they were uh, shackled there. And the Bible says that at midnight, as they were singing, there was a great earthquake. Now they went through all of that, not because they had done anything wrong. And they quite couldn't understand it, but eventually God delivered them. And like those, there are many examples in the Bible of people who suffered and they went through suffering without clearly hearing the voice of God. And so the question could be asked, 
Why does it seem as if God is silent at times? Why this perceived God's silence? And I wish I had a a categorical answer to give you today. But I'm not in in God's place. I don't want to take God's place. Because the Bible says in Isaiah 55, 8, that God's ways are not our ways. God says, my ways are not your ways. And so God is merciful and he helps us understand certain things from Scripture. But no one will ever or should ever venture to try to go into the secret recesses of God's mind. Because this is absolutely beyond our ability. And so let me suggest something here. And this is biblical. Let me suggest that maybe we perceive God as being absent. Maybe we go through situations where we feel as if God is not listening. Maybe we are put under circumstances that will cause us to feel as if we have been forsaken. For the same reason as when you are really thirsty. You are really, really, really thirsty. There is only one thing you, you actually look forward to. You know, they can put out a, a, a bountiful meal before you and say, go and eat. But you are really thirsty. And, and there is nothing else, not even juice, not even tea, that will quench that thirst. It is water. And water s- seems so much more refreshing when you are really thirsty. Now, we we are told we should drink at least two liters of water every day. And sometimes you don't feel like drinking water and you think, I have to drink it because of my health. So my body can continue to function. But when you're really thirsty, there is nothing better than water. When you're really hungry, you're really hungry. And uh, they can bring you water. And some people say, if you're really hungry, hungry, drink a little water and you'll be able to go go a little further, maybe an hour or two hours still without having food. But they say also that the, the secret ingredient in tasty food is called hunger. Hunger. When you're really hungry, you want to eat good food. And so maybe, maybe you and I go through situations where we, we perceive God as being silent so that we may continue, we may develop this the sense of having a thirst for God, having this hunger for God's justice and for God's word. And so you feel as if you have been forsaken, but use that opportunity. Maybe God is giving you that opportunity to thirst and hunger even more for him. Something else that I have noticed is that in every occasion in the Bible where God apparently is silent. God shows that he has a saving purpose through that experience. And I'll go back here to the, to the example of Jesus, to the story of Jesus. Jesus went through all of that. He suffered all of that because in the end, God in his silence, he had a purpose. It was a saving purpose. And Jesus said of himself in Mark 8.31 that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And so throughout all that silence, 
God had a saving purpose that Jesus would uh, endure and go all the way through the end so that you and I could have the opportunity to be saved. So it was with Job. Throughout all of God's silence, God kept silent until the point where he started to talk to Job. Right close to the end of the book, the Bible says that Job prayed for his friends and God delivered him. It was so with prophet Habakkuk. Habakkuk was praying to God, Lord, there is so much violence. There is so much crime all around. Why is it that you don't manifest yourself? Why is it that you don't do anything? And God was silent. And when God finally manifested himself, when God finally spoke, he resolved the situation. And so I believe there is a saving purpose in God's silence. And if you're going through a situation where God seems to be silent, where you feel as if God has abandoned you, keep this in mind. It is an opportunity for you to develop greater taste for God. And it's also an opportunity for you to see the redemption that the Lord is going to provide. And I said I was going to to talk to you today about two biblical examples of people who went through situations where they felt as if they had been abandoned. And the first was the example of Jesus Christ himself. Now, someone might be thinking, well, in spite of all that Jesus went through, and in spite, and I believe it was real, but, but, and sometimes there seems to be a but, but Jesus is God. Didn't Jesus know that he was going to go through all of that? Well, I guess he knew he was going to suffer. Uh, he probably didn't feel the pain uh, until the moment he felt it. But he knew he was going to go through that. And so let me give you another example. Even though Jesus' suffering was real, for sure. I want to give you an example of someone just like you and I. Someone who was not divine. Someone who had his failures. Someone who had his shortcomings. Someone who had his victories. Just like you and I have. So come with me to Genesis. In the book of Genesis chapter 32. Genesis 32 beginning now in verse 24. Before I read it. <clears throat> to give you the context. As you may know this story very well. This is the story of Jacob. After he had betrayed his brother. And he had run away. He had run fugitive. Because his brother wanted to kill him. And he went to a far land and he was there for many years until one day he starts to make his way back. The Bible says that he's making his way back and he tells some of his servants to go ahead of him with presents to Esau, his brother. And go ahead and say, this is what my, my Lord uh, Jacob has sent and uh, he wants to make peace with you. So take these presents. And he sends, the Bible says he sends three groups of those. And after he sent those groups, they passed, they went ahead. He sent also his wives. And he sent the servants of his wives. He sent his children. And uh, I'm not going to go into the issue of him having two wives. It's a, it's a problem we have to discuss about another time. But he sent all his family ahead. And he stayed behind. And here in verse 24, look at how it starts right there. Verse 24, this sentence then, uh, Genesis 32, 24, then Jacob w was left, what? Alone. 
alone. Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him. He touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And so he said, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with man and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said, Why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his limb, uh, hip. And so I want you to follow here with me because there are some things here very interesting. Jacob sent all his family and then he finds himself alone. And you may have found yourself alone. I know of people who have suffered so much in life and they prefer not to share any of that with any family member, with any friend that they end up succumbing to a heart attack or whatever because they find themselves alone all the time. They may be even surrounded by people, but they are alone. And I do hope that if you are going through something and you are suffering, that you may find someone who can trust to share. That you may come and talk to your pastor and your pastor will be godly led to help you in that situation. I pray that you may find someone you can trust. And above all else, I pray that you may never forget that God is always with you. But Jacob felt alone. He was himself alone at that point. In fact, he was not alone. God was with him because the next sentence says that a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. This was no ordinary man. This was someone special because it's someone who had the power to bless him as he did at the end. But even though Jacob was feeling alone, God was right there beside him. And so I insist with you, even in moments where you feel you're by yourself, you have been forsaken, remember that God is right there with you. It was just how it felt to him. It was just that how Jacob was feeling that he was alone, but God was still there. But it was at night. And this happened at night. And he finds himself wrestling with this man all throughout the night. It was a long night. There may be nights in your life where you cannot go to sleep. You cannot get to sleep. And you roll from one side to the other of the bed. And you try to count lambs. And you try everything that's possible. You can't fall asleep. Jacob was not only woken. He was not only, it was not only that he couldn't fall asleep, fall asleep. It was that he was wrestling with someone all throughout the night. And then... That being that was wrestling with him was God himself. But it was in the dead of night. 
And he couldn't tell it was God because God was veiling his glory. Because if it was in the midst, midst of the night and, and Jacob was struggling, is wrestling with someone who is bright and glorious, he could easily tell this is God I'm struggling with. But God had decided to, to be quiet, to be silent, and to veil his glory. And you may find yourself in situations like that as well. As if you're going through things and you can't see a hint. You can't see a, a ray, a single ray of God's glory in your life. And you pray and you ask and things don't seem to get brighter anyway. After they struggle for a while. And you would think that God would say something that would be a comfort to Jacob. The first words that we have recorded in the Bible that God said to Jacob were, Let me go. Let me go for the day breaks. And so rather than saying something comforting to Jacob, rather than saying, Fear not, I'm with you. God says, Let me go. I'm going to leave you. But Jacob clung to the promises he had. He, he remembered what God had said in the past to him and he cries out, I will not let you go. I will not let you go. It's not until you bless me. It's not if you bless me or not. It is, I am not letting you go unless you bless me. And then God says to Jacob, what is your name? And he says, it's Jacob. And God says, well, your name will be changed. But even before, even before that, God's first action, God's initial action was one very painful to Jacob. You would think that God would bless Jacob with good health. But God touched him in a way that the socket of his hip was disjointed. And the result of that was pain. And he felt it right away. And then he had to, to limp through the rest of his life. Because of an encounter with God. And so friends. You may find yourself in a situation where things are dark. You don't see the ray of God's glory. The rays of God's glory. You ask and you don't hear anything in return. And after wrestling with God all you get is a disease. All you get is something that will mark you for the rest of your life. All you get is, is a word that seems to say, I'm leaving you behind, let me go. And so what do you do? You continue to pray. You continue to hold on to the faith you have, to the evidence that God has given you. And just like Jacob, you call, you cry out, Lord, bless me. I will not let you go. And so whatever you may be going through today, whatever you may be going through in the spirit of your life, I would appeal to you that you would not let God go all of your life. Keep him in the center of, at the center of the equation. Keep God right at the center of your life and cry out to him, bless me, bless me, I will not let you go. Friends, I am not saying it is easy. I am not saying it would be easy. If it were going to be easy, maybe the Bible would never mention anything like that. 
Because it would be just common sense. It would be just natural for you to trust God no matter the circumstances. And so it may not be easy. It may be difficult. It may be hard. It may be painful. You may go through things that will leave a mark in you forever. You may go through emotional pain. It may not be a disjointed hip like Jacob. But you may go through emotional things that will mark you. And you will continue to carry that for many years to go. But do not let God out of the picture. Ask Him, Lord, bless me. And the reason I appeal to you in that regard today. Is because whatever you may be going through. We believe that there is a time if, as we hope, Jesus comes in our generation. He may not come, but he may come. And if he does, if Jesus comes in our generation, the Bible predicts that at the very end of time, close to Jesus' coming, there will be a time where there will be great tribulation. And we've been studying the book of uh, Daniel in Sabbath school. I want you to come with me to the book of Daniel Chapter 12. It's the last chapter of the book. Daniel chapter 12. And I'm going to read verses 1 through to 3. Daniel 12 verses 1 to 3. At that time, at that time, Michael shall stand up. The great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Even to that time. And at that time your people shall be what? Here it is. Another confirmation that when we go through times of trouble. Whenever we go through times where God seems to be silent and absent. At the end, God's saving purpose prevails. And at that time, they shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Amen. Praise the Lord. There will be a time of trouble. And when that time of trouble comes, you will need no ordinary faith. You will need a special measure of faith that God will give you to get you through that. But the Bible indicates that there will be times when his people at the very end of age will be going through uh, trouble. Through this time of trouble just like Jacob went through. That's why we commonly say there will be a time just like Jacob's time of trouble. And people who are faithful to God will be going through that. And they will be questioning whether or not they have actually... Uh, surrendered everything to God. They will be questioning themselves whether or not they have repented and confessed every sin they knew. And at that time, they will not be able to hear God's voice 
But they will continue to move forward by faith based on all the evidence that God has given them. And even though they will be going through trials and persecution and challenging situations, they will be faithful that the same God who brought them thus far will continue to see them through any and whatever situation. I want to be part of that group. If God gives me the pleasure of being and the, the grace and the blessing of being alive when Jesus comes, I want to be counted among those who have the faith of Jesus. Those who are told of when we come to Revelation fourteen twelve, and the Bible says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. The pain that Jesus suffered on the cross was much more than physical pain. It was emotional pain. It was a heart that was broken because of sin. The pain that Jacob felt was physical. His, his hip was disjointed. But it was much more the pain of thinking, have I been actually forgiven? Have I confessed? Is my brother going to kill me on the account of my sin? Have I really confessed and surrendered it to God and been forgiven? And at some point he had that peace instilled in his mind because God blessed him. Likewise, every true believer that stands alive when Jesus comes and will have to go through tribulation, there is no reason to fear because God will help them endure. And based on the evidence they have from God's character, they will have reassured their faith that God will see them through. And they will be spoken of for those who have kept the commandments of God and have had the faith of Jesus. This is my prayer for you. This is my prayer for me. This is what intelligent faith helps you when you go through difficult situations. And know that God is never going to leave you nor forsake you. May God bless you today and always. Amen.